I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. Hi, Dougie. Hi, Mare. I want to cut straight to it because you said something right before we hit record that you're like, no, 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 wait, 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 let's do it on the podcast. So hi, everybody. We're licensed therapists. We're not your therapists, but we're talking about therapy and uh, I don't yada, know. Yada, yada, blah, right? blah, blah, blah. All right, cut to it because you said, oh my God, I got to tell you like the dumbest thing. Well, I have three things. The first one is the heat makes me want to fucking <laughs> <laughs> punch a bitch. It's cooling off. It's cooling off a little bit. We're getting Yeah, no, there. yeah. Now it's only like 90 with 90% humidity over here by the beach. Must have been real hot where you are. I'm told it was real hot outside. I stayed inside. <laughs> <Good call. laughs> not, not true. Yes, it was very hot. I went in my pool at night. That was lovely. Oh, yeah. I don't go in the pool at night. That's when Jaws comes to the pool. I can't do okay. that. I get scared. It's the most irrational fear. Oh, seriously? But it's real. You really don't go in the pool at night? I do not go in the swimming pool at night because I am afraid Jaws will be in the pool. Yep. Do you have a light in your pool? No. That might not help anyway. Then you could just see Jaws better. Yeah. It freaks me out. It has always freaked me out and always will. And it's totally irrational and I have no interest in getting over it. (laughs) It's not going to negatively impact your life, really. No, not really. Oddly, I could jump in a lake at night, no problem. But a swimming pool freaks me out. And at maybe like eight years old or whatever I was when I was in the height of that fear, I remember having a rational conversation with my dad where he was explaining to me that there's no way that a shark could get into a pool. There's no open link to the ocean. And I said, yeah, well, what about SeaWorld? I was just going to say, and then you're like, Shamu. That's right. So no jumping in the pool at night for me, but there are worse things. Like your other two things. What are your other two things? Okay, we got heat. So remember when we talked about how I couldn't name all the states and I started and I had six states and then I got up to 21 and then I just gave up. Well, that was one thing. <sighs> Apparently. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Time, time out left field. Was that just one thing no. you just thought of? And oh, now no, you're no, over no. Now Sorry. We're on to the next? That, was, that was bad enough correlated to the fact that I didn't know until just yesterday that that the queen of england also was the queen of canada australia papua new guinea jamaica northern ireland scotland i memorized a lot of them because i was in such shock my sister was like well they're in canada and i'm like why the fuck are they in canada they're in mourning and she's like she was the queen of canada too and i'm like i'm sorry what I had no idea. So everyone judging me right now out there, judge away. We don't have to judge you. I mean, it's fine to judge that. I'm 48 and I didn't know the queen was also the queen of basically the entire world. I'm sure there were a lot of things you learned when we were in school together that you didn't retain or didn't realize. I mean, there's some things that I don't either. I didn't retain anything. That's the whole point. (laughs) Third and final thing. Yeah, I hope you're up in the ante a little bit because these seem very light. This one's pretty good. So I was up in good. Lake Tahoe in the mountains last week and decided to go mountain biking. I can't mountain bike because I don't have the strength. Do you have a mountain bike? <laughs> so my sister and brother-in-law, they have electric mountain bikes up there. Electric mountain bikes? Yeah, it's not the kind where you push a button and it just goes. You have to start pedaling and then it like... Oh, wow. Yeah, they're amazing. I decided to go do it. Middle of the day by myself. It's like 100 degrees out. I did wear a helmet and my brother-in-law did give me his satellite phone because I am so accident prone that everyone was like, okay. (laughs) Oh, no. So I fell a solid six to eight times, just ate shit. I had so much fun though, but I just kept falling. And I came back, I walked in and I was like, don't freak out. I didn't know that I was like all bloody and cut up until... I got home, but sprained ankle, black and blue bruises, cuts all over, like a huge gash in my hand. Totally fine though. Totally fine. Were you hurt or was it just all just scratched up and banged up and you were fine? Yeah, it fucking hurt, but I was fine. My bruises hurt, like the cut on my hand hurt, but like I just went and took a shower for a while and I was was fine. 
Like my ankle is kind of swollen and it was like hurt, but whatever. Like I'm like, again, one of those people that's like, all right. Well, good to know. Anyway, those are my antics. (laughs) All right. Very, very antical. What you got? I got not much. I had uh, my first real COVID exposure. So I had to take, you know, the PCR test. I home tested negative the whole way through. So I was never contagious. I don't think I had it. I haven't gotten my PCR results yet. You could still get it, right? Right. The home tests only show that you're actively contagious. I don't know. That's all confusing. Yeah, it is all confusing. That's yeah. why I never leave the house anymore. <laughs> it's too fucking Speaking hot. of never leaving the house, Sarah, man, uh, we'll get into it in a minute with her, but there was something we kind of made reference to that I'll tell you guys about. We don't talk about it too much. We hit it a little bit. But we had kind of hit the cult leader, David Berg, who was never caught. And I said something, I don't know if it was earlier on the podcast and Sarah heard it, but she emailed me something just to clarify. She's like, hey, you know, he was never caught. He didn't die in prison because I said something about him dying in prison. He didn't. He died on the run. He was never caught, never had to face the consequences for his actions other than being on the run and in hiding all his life. And it was wild. But you'll hear there's a point during the session when you hear me shift very abruptly to that. Mm -hmm. We cut some stuff out earlier where she and I were talking about it. But when I made the shift, and I'll even tell you why during the session that I made the shift, I wanted to stay with something and move towards something with her. But the reference I make to her emailing me was us talking about David Berg never getting caught and her feelings of anger and powerlessness. Right, because she had listened to our episode. Got it. Yeah, which at this point was a while back because we're, I mean, we're back now. We're kind of coming at you guys more regularly. Yay. But Yeah, which is nice. I've missed this. I missed recording with you, Meredith. I do too. And every time then we get on, I'm like, oh, Dougie. And I just want to talk for hours. Oh, it's funny. Every time we get on, I think, God, will this ever end? Can we just stop already? No. <laughs> Not true. Yeah, we talk for like an hour before we record and then sometimes an hour afterwards and then you're late for dinner with your sister. I know. (laughs) Sorry, sister. Dowie. Okay, so yeah, let's listen. Let's get on it. Let's do it. Bring it on. Brought to you by nothing because we don't have sponsors. (laughs) But if you want, you can sponsor us on Patreon. You can go check us out there. You can rate us, review us, follow us, watch Meredith on video revealing her secrets mm. and we'll break this down in a little bit okay bye bye there's always a lot of conflict over at my ex's house between him and his girlfriend not unlike my marriage to him it's already quite stressful for the kids to have to hear the shouting and the hollering and the, you know, kicking each other out of the house at various times and whatever, right? It's all stressful and it's always been, but it's never been acceptable. The kids both like, you, I can tell that they're really stressed and I'm always like, okay, what happened? Well, day before yesterday, um, the kids were with their dad and his girlfriend came home drunk and just laid into my daughter. My daughter is very, what would you call it? (laughs) She's very woke. I think that's the word the kids use. It's always how I've raised them. I grew up overseas. I grew up with a lot less stigma surrounding race and gender and, you know, sexual preference. It it just was never, you know, like a thing for me. So I raised my kids the same way. I don't have any problem with whoever you are, whatever you want to be, as long as you're being a good person and doing what you're supposed to do and making life better. So this is how, especially daughter has, you know, that's the way she's adopted uh, thinking. She's not entirely sure of her sexuality at this point. She's leaning towards girls, which again, no problem. But She's very young still. She's just very open. She does like the idea of not being gender labeled. I ask my kids to like teach me every week all the different ways I'm supposed to say things. Daughter is also an extremely, extremely, I want to use the word wise 
person. She has a lot of anxiety, just like I do, but she has, I guess, somehow learned from me to be, to, to handle it in a very, okay, let me tell you what happened. So girlfriend comes home and just lays into daughter, just so-and-so told me that so-and-so told them that they told somebody else that you are not a girl anymore. So daughter is just like, get out of my room. I am not doing this with you right now. I have no idea where this came from. You need to leave. And then she just went harder. Why you have to be so sensitive, just like your mom. She just starts going off and off. Daughter is bawling her eyes out and she sends me a text like, I'm so stressed out, mommy. I don't know what to do. I'm not gonna be able to sleep. So of course that's just like a knife in my heart because there's literally nothing I can do when they're at their dad's house. Unless they were being hurt, I couldn't ever just go and pick them up when it wasn't my custodial day. So it's always a really tough thing. And it's happened a number of times where the kids are like, I don't want to be here. I really want to come to your house. Can't you just come and pick me up? And so, of course, it totally breaks my heart. Nothing I can do. She doesn't want to go into it over text. So this is the next day. I pick her up and we have probably a two and a half hour conversation. I have never been so proud in my life of my daughter. She just handled the whole thing with like such poise and grace. Oh my gosh, she was so amazing. She just stood her ground. Daughter has been so cagey about all of her feelings surrounding this. She wanted the right time. She wanted to sit down with her dad and tell him when she thought the time was right, etc., and so forth. So the whole thing, on one hand, I'm just feeling so much anger and like I'm literally feeling hot when daughter's telling me all this. You would think girlfriend was the 13-year-old and daughter was the 47-year-old or however the fuck old. Girlfriend is Jesus. This woman, I, I can't even. So obviously I'm just telling daughter, I am, I, I could not be more proud of how you handled that. You, but the pain inside of her was 100% real, still, as we were talking about it. She's going through so much anxiety and so much struggle and it always just breaks my heart. You know, then, then we have a super fun night. Tell me about that for a second. Because I can't fix it. I have to send them back when it's time to go back to their dad, no matter what they say to me, I have to send them back unless I can prove that they are being abused. I mean, look, there is something about the story that I, I don't want buried. You said it at the beginning, you said it at the end. Girlfriend was drunk and berated her. For nothing. I hear that. And as a therapist and a mandated reporter, I kind of go, huh. That's something that, that I would look at and go, is there a history of this? This is the situation as it's been during my marriage, as it's been since he started dating this chick. Girlfriend fuels the crazy because she, she joins right in. She might be even more crackers than ex-husband in, in the sense that she has zero control. Ex-husband actually came in and defended daughter, which I was blown away by, honestly. When she told me that, I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Your dad came in to shut girlfriend up and defend you? And she was like, yeah, I know. I was really impressed too. <laughs> why do you need to involve the children. And again, why, why the fuck do you need to get angry? Hang on. I want to stick with this for a second because there's something happening to you. And it's not just, you know, what girlfriend's doing is wrong or not safe. But what I can hear in you, and I don't know if you hear it too, but I can hear, you know, I can hear the elevation in the cortisol levels. In the, right. and, and you know it. And you said it before. You're angry. I am. And... And powerless. I think that's the main reason I'm angry. This has been going on for years. And what I have always told them and what I've even told them individually about bullies at school or kids that are mean at school, it's because they are not happy with themselves. Has nothing to do with you. 
if that person needed to discipline you or deal with something, they would have done it in a loving, parenting way. If that didn't happen, that's not on you, right? That is their problem because there's something going on in here with them that makes them lash out at kids. Great lesson. And like you said, daughter's wise, and that is intellectually correct and wonderful. But it doesn't take the feelings away. <laughs> exactly. You said it earlier. You know, her feelings were absolutely real, right? And that's something that I want to stay there for a second because I mean, what you're describing is your experience growing up too. Absolutely. That's probably why I get so worked up <laughs> when it happens. And again, with the powerlessness, like right now, I would walk over there and freaking punch a bitch. But who's that going to help? Who's that going to help? It might make me feel better for a second. I want to tap into that, just that piece, because I don't think you ever got in. Holy crap, Sarah. Like, holy crap. I can't believe, you know, when you emailed me and I was like, when I saw that, I, my jaw dropped. It was like, I, and I don't know the story of him very well. Yeah, um, and I apologize. And, you know, I was like, okay, I need to text Doug why, right wait, now. Why are you apologizing? Well, because I meant to tell you as soon as I listened to it, and then forgetful brain kicked it. No worries, no worries. I mean, oh, geez. In my understanding previously, because I, I, did, I didn't know. I mean, I knew Children of God. I knew David Berg. And I knew, I, I knew that he died in, in the 90s. I thought that he got caught and charged and shamed. Oh, hell no. I wish, man. That dude was in hiding and on the run since the 70s. The whole time. That's why you guys were country to country. That's exactly right. And why we live when we lived in those secret homes or what they called homes is because those were locations he would show up at when he was like on the run. So literally they were like his safe houses. The guys, I mean, I don't know. I guess I should give him evil genius, but to literally affect so many lives. He was on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list at some point. I couldn't tell you the actual year, but he was on there to, to just completely continue preaching, telling everybody you are God's direct mouthpiece, sending out, you know, what he called his letters to all of his cult members and just never getting even close to getting caught unbelievable but also believable because like everybody in the cult who was an abuser and who did follow his letters they never got fucking caught either i i just recently read that there was a handful of people that actually were indicted in england they threw out the statute of limitations and indicted like two men that were like had a history of like severe mental, emotional, sexual, physical abuse to none less than their children. Yeah, and, th and that's something, you know, God, it, it, it sickened me when I, when I read that. I think I even wrote that back to you. Like, yeah, <laughs> that sickened yeah you me, did. Like, right? Yeah. Yeah, it really does, because it, it's, it's one thing to an evil genius, whatever, you know, and you could say all that stuff. And Charles Manson was, was you know, in that league of evil genius and cult. But he got caught. And he, exactly. exactly. All of them and did I eventually. Little fucked up because he got glorified and, and he became a celebrity because of that, which it's, it's really messed up. But I hear all this, era, and really what strikes me most Something you said earlier, I'd punch a bitch, right? What good would that do? Well, it would feel good for a minute. But ultimately, it would ruin my life. And you won't do it, but what it highlights, and I could hear it, I can hear the anger coming out. We'll still talk about daughter and girlfriend. We'll deal with that for sure. I know, this is my therapy session. I know. Exactly. And what it's bringing up is this state that you go in, there's, there's, I would say at least three 
facets to it. One is it becomes survival. How do I get through it? It's that, you know, almost that trauma response. Oh, I recognize this. Okay, I need to go into this. I need to make sure this is okay and everybody's got to be okay. It's protective. How do I protect daughter? And then there's the part that's the powerlessness. And that leads to the anger. And that festers and grows. Yeah, you nailed it. 100%. When it comes to my kids, the anger part is, it's connected, I think, to the powerlessness. When it's, when it's my trauma or my abuse, the anger part is just anger. Sure, there's powerlessness before, but right now I could go punch a bitch, not her, but somebody who fucking abused me as a child. I could technically do that and nothing would happen. Have you ever gotten to punch a bitch? No, <laughs> I would never. Doug, what do you think I am? <laughs> Figured, figuratively. Have you ever gotten to figuratively punch a bitch? No, I really right. haven't. Okay, hold on to that. You really haven't. There hasn't been any justice in that sense. There hasn't been any outlet for the anger, for the abuse, for the trauma. And you can convince yourself quite well, and you're not entirely wrong, that being uber protective of daughter, of your siblings, is a way to have some power, to have some protection. That's mama bear. You go mama bear. Yeah, I do. The way you parent your kids is the way you didn't get parented. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're doing something incredibly nurturing and protective and and wonderful in a sense. Even to be able to say, oh, man, hearing that gets me so angry. I just want to go over there and punch a bitch. Nobody got to say that to you, but you said that in, in your way to all of your siblings, and you did that. What about you? Yeah, no. I've never been confronted with my abusers because I left so young and I kind of just completely withdrew from everybody. Anyone who I would hold responsible for my abuse besides my stepdad, I've not been reintroduced. I I haven't been around those. You haven't had the opportunity to to confront the abuse. Okay. I will say that it confronts you nearly every day. 100%. That's why I'm here. The effects of it, it's not about blaming anybody. We can, in your case, for sure. Absolutely. And that will take us down a path of, of vengeance, justice. For you, there's something in this where the abuse does confront you every day. And it's not about confronting the abuser or abusers. It's about acknowledging that, yeah, you're facing it every day and metaphorically, figuratively punching a bitch. (laughs) Or wanting to. It's not necessarily the actual person. It's the experience that you went through. Interesting. If we kind of look at it as, I want to figuratively punch any abuse, any mistreatment, Dog experiences. Absolutely. Right. Now apply that to you. It's a whole other drawer, Doug. It, it's the same trunk. 100%. It, it's been a, f- a few months and I'm, I'm starting to accept the fact that I am a trauma survivor. And as such, I do have trauma responses. I told you when you first started saying that to me, it gave me so much anxiety. At first, I felt like I would be admitting that I was broken or, you know, like something and and I'm fucking not, (laughs) I am, I'm starting to accept this, but, but I do see what you did there and how you sort of tied that all together. And I, and I think that that's actually hugely impactful because like you said, if I had not suffered my own realm of abuse that I couldn't control or a situation I literally couldn't get out of, like my kids when they're at their dad's house. It's literally helpless. They have to just sit there and endure. And again, they are the most privileged children. 
you know, okay, so they have two, you know, a crappy stepmom in it. No, 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 no. I'm just saying they're not like these horribly abused kids that I'm like super worried about. They live in a fucking mansion. Doesn't matter. Okay, fine. So. Doesn't matter. My point is that, yes, had I not experienced my own element of all of this, I may not have as strong a reaction to daughter's situation as I as I am having, I'm assuming that other parents would be like, yeah, she's a little odd, pass over it. But to me- You're not other parents, you are her parent. And as such, what you witnessed and what you experienced triggered something huge in you. It always does. This is how I taught myself to deal with trauma is it's a life lesson. I even quoted you to her last night. I was like, daughter, that is girlfriend. You need to give it back to her. That had nothing to do with you. I'm like, I'm working on this with my therapist for the last however many months that you need to stop and think, what is happening here? And is it mine? Like, is it is it something I need to take to heart? Is it a life lesson or is it just somebody else's shit? I think you actually do a good job of this where you acknowledge and validate what she is feeling. Like what she's feeling is valid. And I know what she's feeling too, because I swear to God, I have the exact same emotional reactions. Yes, yes, yes. And that's, I think, such a gift in this case. It's horrible. It also makes you much more empathetic compassionate and allows God to relate to you even better. That's why when I said to you, oh yeah, read where the, when the, where the red fern grows again and cry and go into a room crying. Having that emotion, having that, like being able to relate to that, you can give her the life lessons, but giving her the validation for what she's feeling. Absolutely. You already see it. She's already protecting. She's already doing the mama bear. Oh my gosh, she's so protective. She's so protective of her brother. What does that sound like? I know, I know. Bless her heart. And bless yours. You're seeing this in her. You're seeing you. And I will stop you before you say, yeah, all of my worst characteristics. No, we're talking about some of your best survival mechanisms and some of the ways you were able to get through something. And what a gift that, doesn't have to just get through and survive. She can connect with you. And she can feel these things. You didn't get to do that. You are able to parent daughter in a way that you didn't get parented. It's something that you're doing for her and it's healing for you. Yes, I was just going to say that. And for me, is the best part of my life is my relationship with my daughter. It's just so amazing to be able to bond in a way that is not forced. Every time I hang out with her, it makes me so happy. Like, obviously I feel all her pain and I, I, I want to fix it and I know I can't. So there's that whole cloud, which is what we're talking about. But then there's just the beautiful life you know, that I get to have with my daughter, which is so amazing. That is why I left ex-husband. What is? The warmth and the love of a solid family unit. Money, yes, oh my god, I would love it. But I would much rather live here in a loving relationship with my two beautiful, wonderful children with no screaming, no hollering, no fighting, none of that shit. If I had to make a choice, that would be it. And I did have to make a choice. And that was it. I left him. That was my life. That was where I was heading with him. I couldn't stand the anger and the, and the, ugh. Yeah, I can't even, it, I hate it so much, Doug. I can't even tell you. Any kind of discord between family members that's so intense. There's an entire, again, element of my life that is still completely powerless. But what I do have the power over is to remind my children, this is not how it should be. It should be peaceful and loving. And if you have issues, then you should talk about them. You should, you know, use your words. 
This is what I've taught them since they were little. Where's that peaceful and loving and talking about things? Where- Our family unit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I want to highlight that. Because that, that's, that's what you've created. Look, validating your anger, frustration, powerlessness. Absolutely. We talked about what daughter was going through, how you can relate to that, how it relates to what you've gone through. Right? And the resilience and the strength. If I say that to you, you're just going to go, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. No <laughs> you know problem. me so well. Uh-huh. I also know that what you've worked really, really hard to create is something that your kids recognize. I wonder if you can recognize it. And it's not like, and it's not like I haven't worked for it. I mean, you know, granted, I got lucky with boyfriend because he's like the easiest, sweetest person. I, I almost never well, have a... Yeah. You, you you didn't you didn't you didn't just get lucky with him you attracted that you left ex-husband and what that relationship was like and then learned who i was then i met boyfriend there's parts to i got to work on myself and know who i am then i could find that you weren't just lucky you carefully curated this 100 percent agree with that and i am proud of the work i did in that time of being single, that I was in a place that I was able to attract somebody who was so genuine and so kind and so honest and just loving. That had never been my experience. You know how they say we marry our fathers? (laughs) I, I, I honestly think I literally went through a series of my stepdad and other fucktards from my life with all my boyfriends leading up to boyfriend. And there's always an element when you realize, oh, fuck, you know, I'm in another freaking bad relationship. Are you kidding me right now? (laughs) That you just think, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, and my solution was, well, it's because I don't know any fucking better. I don't think I should be treated better, clearly, because I keep going back to the same shit. I don't have any kind of standard or this is how I want my life to be. So why isn't it that way? And I, I felt that was on me. It had to be on me. Who else was the common denominator with all these shitty boyfriends and husband, right? It was me. We'll look at those patterns for sure. And I, I think, again, that idea of what you created, you know, the warm and loving household where you can talk about things as they come up. So that warm and loving house that you're providing, where there's no yelling, you can talk about things, you can process things, that you worked very, very hard to cultivate. Who are you providing this for? Kids. I know the answer should be me. And I think on some level, it started that way, because I was about to have a nervous breakdown. But I've I've maintained, and I would even go as far as taught, anybody who walks into my house, how we behave in this house. And it started out because my kids were going through so much and the yelling and the fighting and the, the crazy that I literally ran away with them from their father to avoid. Now it's back. And, I, and I'm not even there to protect them now. So... My, my focus has always been that this house, it's their safe place. It's the place that they can come and get a good night's sleep and not feel anxiety and not have headaches and stomach aches. And, you know, that's this place. And that's, the, that's all yes. I can do for them. Yes. Perfect. Beautiful. They, in this case, is your children, is you is boyfriend, is anybody that enters into this space. They is all encompassing here. That's who you're providing this for. And it's not my children. Well, it should be me. It's all of them because that's the environment you want around you. And you want for your kids to be surrounded with. That's what you've done. And it it does suck when you see them in a different environment and you are powerless to that, absolutely. And I think you're doing beautifully with 
Thank you. Thank for, you for walking through this and and being able to stick with you know when I poke. I know we could have in the beginning certainly when we were doing this could have stayed with just the story and just but stopping and understanding what's going on with us and honoring that is huge. And why I keep checking like being able to do that with daughter is huge. Not just okay. Well, here's the lesson you can draw. Here's how to survive. Here's how to. It's oh, this is how you're feeling. Absolutely, I felt that too. It's a great experience for you. Thank you. And we're back. We sure are. That was one of my favorite sessions, I think. Really? I mean, I like them all, but just for a very different reason. Her general persona and being was so different. Her tone, her vocabulary, her intonation, her enunciation. I'm just going to throw out a few of the things she said when she was talking about saying to you that David Berg, that you thought he'd been caught or whatever. And she was like, oh, hell no. Like when she said that like that, obviously I'll punch a bitch said that many times, which fucking made me laugh every time. <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. Just like, that's a whole other drawer, Doug. She seemed more relaxed. And I want to say it was the topic that you guys were talking about, but I think it's that combined with, you know what? Was she vaping? I don't know, because I don't remember when we just heard this back. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it either. That's interesting. Yeah, she doesn't always. And sometimes she'll just hold it, but she won't actually hit it. But you're right. She was in a flow, and it was really cool. I kind of prefaced this in the intro where I said I shifted gears with her because I wanted to pull her out of content and into process. I mean, she was talking a lot about her daughter and that situation, what was going on. And when we brought it back to something else, it was cool. And she knew what I was doing. She acknowledged it. She even said it like, I see what you did there. Right. This is my therapy. We're bringing it back to me. Okay. Yeah. I was a little confused by that because, and again, it was a great session. It all turned out great. But I was thinking like, what? Your therapy can be about, it still is your therapy. You're talking about your kids. You're talking about all this stuff. So no matter what, it was still about her and her therapy. Yes, absolutely. You're hearing this is what our, our 21st, 22nd session. So we're five months in. So at this point, she and I have a lot of trust and I can do these things with her. And we've talked about some of these things. So when I kind of shifted to have it be more about her, and there's something that you and I, Mayor, have talked about and she and I have hit, which is getting to the emotion, not just intellectualizing something. So for her, I could hear her talking emotionally and seeing the emotion objectively when she was talking about her daughter. And that's why I wanted to kind of go, okay, let's bring it to you. Okay, let's explore the emotion. I hear the anger. Let's go there. So it's still, yes, it's, it is about her. But one of the things we're working on is make it personal, make it emotional. Let's go there. Don't just be intellectual. Don't just be in that same mama bear mode that you go into. Let's go into what you're feeling. And that's when I did shift her and talk about Berg and the cult and the powerlessness. That was, I think, a big shift for her because she got to personalize it. I think what I really kept coming back to and had a hard time not focusing on was, so the daughter and the way that the drunk dad's girlfriend was being emotionally abusive to her and saying horrible things. And then later on, Sarah says, obviously, if I didn't have the trauma and the experience I did, I wouldn't have this reaction. It's not like they're getting horribly abused or anything. And they're so privileged. And I was like, oh, hell no. What? No, 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 no. Don't do that. Being privileged has nothing to do. And they are like, that's not okay. I still don't understand why she couldn't go rip her daughter out of that house. I would have done that. I say that. I know well, I don't have the same. I know I, I don't. I don't have the same situation like with the ex-husband and whatever. But I would certainly say this is grounds for like she's getting close. So a couple things here. First and foremost. I know she's a great mom. Let's bring it back to you, Meredith. This is your session here. I'm not even doubting <laughs> like she down. didn't do enough or whatever. Like I totally get it. Yeah. And I don't hear that from you. But just to be absolutely clear, when she said that the dad's girlfriend laid into my daughter, 
that was not physical. Oh, of that course. Was I know. Just, you know the, yeah, yeah. Right. So the other thing to note is the ex-husband has a lot of money and a lot of money in his family and several lawyers, not just one lawyer that he works with. He's got a team of lawyers. So it's the kind of situation where if Sarah went over there and grabbed her kid and came home, now she's going to look like the one that flipped out or that had a problem. It will get turned against her. In a black and white world of law, she should, quote unquote, be able to. But because of the situation, she has to walk a very fine line. I get that. Totally makes sense. Right. Well, I said emotional abuse, and I guess abuse is such a thrown around word, but I really do think I stick to that. That's part of why I shifted her. Because she's seeing the emotional abuse and she's seeing that protective instinct. And that's why I really wanted to bring it back to her. And her saying, like you just pointed out, Mare, when she said like, well, they're not these horribly abused kids, you know, they're in this mansion. And I just kept saying, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And she's like, well, okay, fine. This, this, this. I'm like, all right. That's a big thing right there. Totally. But of course, after her abuse and what she saw comparatively speaking, and I had to remind myself, her kids don't know, right? No, no. At this point, they don't know. And there's something about how she responds to things and how she was seeing her daughter. And she was like, oh, she handles it with such grace and she's great. And I could tell she was getting emotional about it, but she still needs to get the life lesson here. And it was cool that she was like, that's the girlfriend's shit. You don't need to take that on. That's hers. And it was like, I was channeling you, Doug. I'm like, that's great. And what I could hear is it's cool that she was validating the emotions, but she was quickly trying to go to, here's how I handled it. Here's how I handled it when I had those emotional reactions. And that's partly where I wanted to bring it back to her. Because I'm like, right, but I don't want to go to the handle. I want to go to the emotion. Yeah. And I think, though, whether it's a life lesson or is it someone else's shit? I mean, first of all, of course, it can be both, right? And second of all, I think. How old is her daughter? 13? No, less at this point. I think 11 or 12. This is the dad's girlfriend shit. And it's so not okay that this shit's being put on her. Like as a kid, nobody's shit really should be put on you like that. So I think when we're talking about something as adults, that's her shit. And when it's a kid and a kid also, but when it's an adult and a kid, I just feel like it's not one of those things where you just say like, hey, that's her shit. This doesn't have to do with you. Theoretically, yes. But I'm just wondering how the kid is supposed to, what are they supposed to do with that? Right. And that's what I was saying to Sarah. Like, well, you're able to parent her in a way you didn't get parented. So how do you really want to do it? You were told pretty much nothing. You were shut out. You didn't get any of that. So what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? And talking about like, I feel her pain and I want to fix it and I know I can and this and that. Like, okay. And she even like went into, that's why I left him. Like, I don't like that. You know, I'd rather have the warmth of a family and this and that. Like, that's really cool. I even could see in something I highlighted later, like, it's great that she's acknowledging what she's created, the household that she's created. And I think she even said something about, I got lucky. No, you didn't get lucky. You were very protective. You crafted this. You curated this. It's what you built, and you should be proud of that. Yeah, no, she was unlucky as hell that she was in fucking that cult. That was unlucky, but what she created is that's not luck. Not at all. And it's wonderful. And I, I loved her talking about it being peaceful and loving. I'm like, great. And I don't want to just look at that. I really wanted to hit that emotion because there was the shift in her tone which you definitely heard what emotion did you want to get to whatever she felt i mean clearly there was anger and it's something that i kind of hit with her with the powerlessness you know just feeling that i wanted her to be able to express and walk through it because she never really got to for me i often say you and i may disagree on this and that's cool we can duke it out later I say that anger is a secondary emotion. There's almost always something underneath it. So I wanted to get underneath the anger. I also wanted to just allow her to be angry. And that's when she was like, oh my God, I would just punch a bitch. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah have you ever gotten to? Yeah. Have you ever gotten to? She's like, Doug. And I, I look at me or whatever. Right. You know me. I would never. 
<laughs> right. And I was I thinking to myself, God, like, I haven't punched a bitch since my 20s. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it feels good. Right? She needs to start boxing. Right? right? Yeah. Yep. And that's something we've talked about. I've said to her, like, scream into a pillow or get a punching bag or something like that, right? Because that idea of I've never been able to punch a bitch. Yeah, there's no justice, she said. No, and there's no outlet for it. So she's walking around with this anger. I mean, here we are talking about her daughter. And like I said, there's three feelings that I heard, the survival and trauma response and that protective nature that she goes into and the powerlessness. And that powerlessness is, oh, I don't know if she said it or I said it, but it grows, it festers, and, and we got to do something with that. And feel your power sometimes means we got to feel the anger. So I wanted that. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. She was like, all the other fucktards in my life. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Such a <laughs> yeah, good that, one. That's, that's one of her favorite curse words. I like that one. Love it. It's very descriptive. She was talking about, I think she was talking about that she thought it before, or I wasn't sure. She was talking about the common denominator with all the shitty men in her life was her, which was true, obviously. <laughs> Not that she was the cause, but that she was the common denominator. But I always go through that and think, you know, people say, well, why do you attract those kind of men into your life? I'm like, I don't know, dude. It can't just be like the world, the like energy in the world always being, you know, some of its location, <laughs> some of its like what we do for a living or whatever. Some of it's, you know, but I think also for her, just, of course, the guy, her ex was in the cult, right? No, no, no. no. That, okay. that was, that was the teenage boyfriend that, that she, she got left out with. The cult with, yeah. yeah okay talking about uh, her being the common, so her as the common denominator with the, the shitty men in her life. Yeah. And it, it's, it's something that I didn't want her to necessarily take the blame, but acknowledging some of that, sure. And she said it sort of at the tail end of our session, so I couldn't really go in it and kind of dig around, but it was a great thing for her to bring up because it means, oh, wow, you're acknowledging there's a pattern. And I said something like, yeah, we're going to look at those patterns. you know. And, and I even said to her, like, at some point, I think when I made the shift with her away from her daughter and away from the ex, like, you know, we can definitely talk about that too. I want to go with this and we'll follow this. And, and that's a lot of times we'll do that in a session where we hit a thread and we need to follow it because that's Sometimes where the emotion or where the healing needs to come out, or we need to allow something, that room to breathe. And I will very much put a pin in things and acknowledge them or just, you know, we'll write notes at the end of a session. And I'll probably write down, she brought up the pattern of partners and boyfriends, and she's the common denominator. So I know we can talk about that at some other point, but it wasn't the session to do that in. Yeah. And I think she was referring to sort of like you said before, she wanted a solid, loving, warm family unit. That's why she left her ex. And that to this day, it's important that the, their home, her home, is their safe place. And I was thinking, you never had a safe place, Sarah. Never. Literally never. Which is, to me, so amazing. And why I really wanted to drive home to her the idea of home. That it wasn't getting lucky. She chose a boyfriend that is very safe for her and very good for her and a home environment that's very safe and stable, like great. And there's still chaos around her. She's the first to point that out. I'm pointing out, right, but can we look at the internal and just take your home, your home on the inside, that's your safe space. And we can use that analogy or metaphor or simile or whatever device it is, literally. Ooh, that's for a good one, Doug. herself. Yeah. Thank you. Herself being her home that she's created on the inside, she can have that be a safe space. It hasn't been for her, but mostly because of a function of the environment that she puts herself into. What we're working on is having her quote unquote home environment within herself be the safe space where she knows she's okay. I like that. I like it a lot. That's why we do this work. You do good work. I do good work, but you and Sarah are doing Aww. great work. Thank you. Thank you. We definitely have our moments. This one was full of moments. I really loved this session. 
with her because she came in hot. She came in like fired up about this thing. And I've told you, Mary, like, I don't care about the details. I mean, of course I do. I care because I can hear their process coming out. And with this one, I even said in the session that we could have just let her go off on the ex and his partner and her daughter and on that whole situation. She could have spent an hour venting about that. Okay. I love that we could turn it around, that we now have the trust. And she didn't just need to vent this and get it off her chest. She even said like, well, yeah, that's why we're here, Doug. You're my therapist. It's my therapist. Like, great. Let's dig inside a little bit. I love that she trusted me enough and herself enough to go there within herself. It was great. It's so interesting because I'm such a behavioral therapist that my mind jumps to, okay, and now what? What are we going to do about it? So how can we make it so your kids understand, blah, 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 whatever. But yeah, totally. It's great. There's a line that I'll use on clients in the middle of a session, and it sort of encapsulates what I like to do with a session in its entirety. The line is, how does that resonate with you? Because I'll say something back to them in a way that's like what we've been working on, or to use Sarah's language, some life lesson in there. And I'll say, how does that resonate? And it gives them a moment to digest it and think about it. In the grand scheme of things, in sort of the, the forest, not just the tree in front of you, it's how does a session resonate with you? You know, you have a whole week to think about it, to let what we brought up in this session, let that kind of resonate in her. And she'll start to see it in her daughter, in her situation, in herself. And it'll be really interesting to hear the following week, how did any of that sit? I like that. Yeah, I like it too. When clients can do that, sometimes they're in a constant state of crisis and you can't. And sometimes, as you know, your clients will reach out to you several times during a week. They don't just let a week go by to digest what you worked on. And then, oh, here's what happened this week. Nope. It's, it's every day, every hour, the new crisis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's why yes, sir. you but do what you do the way that you do. Yep. I love my, yep, yep. my clients. Yep. And, uh, we will be back doing stuff with you guys, with Sarah in a couple of weeks. You'll get to hear how it did resonate and how it sinks in and let us know how this resonates with you guys. I mean, part of why yeah. we do this is to hear how you take some of this stuff and how you use it for your life. So feel free to hit us up on social media. We're on all the, I don't know, what are they? All the social media outlets. We're on the- Platforms? Instagram. Maybe. The, the Instagram. There you go. That's what the, they're called. The TikTok, the Facebook, the- Apple I guess we're on the Twitter, music? but we're not really on there that much. No, we're not, are yeah. we? Not really. Put you can Patreon. hit us up on the social media platforms. You can join the Patreon, chat with us on there. We're getting a little more active on there now that we're back. And you can email us at info at yourmentalbreakdown.com. And you can definitely come on back and listen to us in a couple weeks because we love talking at you. Yay. Right, Mayor? Right, Dougie. A little more enthusiasm. Do it again with a little more enthusiasm. Right, yes, Mayor? Dougie. Right, Dougie. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Bye. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.